Welcome to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get help and guidance through the chaos of parenting a child with anxiety or OCD. This show is for educational purposes and is not intended to replace the guidance of a qualified professional. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. Hope you're doing well today. Today, I'm going to be talking to Stephanie Krause about how do we help our kids with anxiety or OCD flourish. And before I get started and kind of properly introduce her, I want to let you know that this episode is sponsored by NoCD. NoCD offers affordable, effective, convenient therapy. They are available in the U.S. and outside of the U.S. And you can schedule a free 15-minute consultation to see if NoCD is the right fit for you and your child. Just go to treatmyocd.com. That's treatmyocd.com. Let's see, I do have one other announcement before we dive into this interview today, and I introduce you to Stephanie Krauss and her work, and that is I am doing a free series, and it is, I do this twice a year, Survival Tools for Parents Raising Kids with Anxiety or OCD. It's already started, but that doesn't mean that you can't join because it is on-demand videos. There's three of them that come out. The second one is actually coming out today or came out today. And I am doing bonus Facebook lives on the topics, teaching you how to create a therapeutic home environment, where to start with your kids, how to build communication and trust, the things to do, the things not to do, and how to create all of this and give you a roadmap of successfully helping your child deal with anxiety or OCD for the long term. And so you can join that at atparentingsurvivalseries.com. Just catch up, watch the videos. As the series progresses, the videos are on demand. Even the Facebook Live classes that we've done already, which has only been one so far, is pinned to the top of the Facebook page. And so you can watch that as a replay. You do not have to be on Facebook to be part of this series. There is a series website, which houses the videos and the worksheets and all the good stuff that we are talking about. So I hope to see you over there at atparentingsurvivalseries.com. All right, so I do want to introduce you to Stephanie Krause, who is the author of this upcoming book, Whole Child, Whole Life. She is an educator, a social worker. She's a mom to a child who has OCD, so she gets this on a professional and personal level, which I always appreciate. She runs First Quarter Strategies, which is a consulting firm that works with networks, coalitions, philanthropies, nonprofits, government organizations, schools, and community groups. So she is very well-rounded in her understanding and her knowledge of how to help our kids and how to help our kids thrive. And in her book, Whole Child, Whole Life, she really tackles the the many different ways, the many different organizations and people and world that our child is having to interact with. And wouldn't it be a beautiful world if everybody was skilled in how to see our children in a complete holistic way? maybe holistic is the wrong word, but in a comprehensive way where the coach would know how to deal with my child in a multitude of ways and the, the teacher and the pediatrician, just understanding how to see the whole child. And so it's a great book. It is coming out very soon and you can pre-order it. And in this episode, Stephanie and I dive into how we get our kids with anxiety or OCD to flourish, which can be a really difficult thing to think about, especially if you are in the trenches right now and really struggling. But I think it's actually something really good to hear and listen to, even if you are really struggling right now with your child or teen with anxiety or OCD, because it's a perspective of 
how to approach these struggles and how to teach our kids to find that joy and find passion or find purpose. I think purpose is even a better word, no matter what's going on. And so I hope you enjoy our conversation. And without further ado, here is my discussion with Stephanie. Well, I want to welcome Stephanie to the show. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. I am so glad to be here. I'm a longtime listener to the podcast and a part of the community. And so it's great to be connecting with you in this way. Yeah. And it's nice to talk to someone who is part of the community, you know, the AT parenting community and is a parent. So really gets this. And also kind of professionally, it's very similar to me. You know, you're a social worker, you're a mental health professional, and you've just written a book. Actually, I think it's your second book, right? It is. I had a book come out in the middle of the pandemic. So this is my first in real life, able to do things unmasked and out of the basement book release. Yeah, which is nice because that's a very different look. So the new book that's coming out is Whole Child's Whole Life. And we're, we're going to talk about that as we get into the discussion of just looking at our kids beyond their diagnoses or their struggles and, you know, giving them purpose and tapping into uh, resiliency and all those kind of things. But I, I want to first start with just getting to know you and have the audience hear maybe your story of what made you write that book and get into this. Yeah, thanks, Natasha. You know, actually, the story of writing this book really coincides with finding the community and also what we were experiencing in the middle of the pandemic in our house. So I'll I'll take you back to 2021 and the experience that brought me in connection to your work that also really facilitated the writing of Whole Child, Whole Life. So in the middle of the pandemic, spring of 2021, I had a book come out about what our kids need to be ready for the future. So my background, as you mentioned, is in social work and education. And I had left teaching in the classroom and started working nationally and saw how much the world of work was changing and how much just the world was changing and wanted to write about what our kids would need later in life. So the book comes out. And every time I go to talk about it, a parent or a teacher or a counselor would ask the same question. They would say, you know, we're really appreciative of knowing what our kids need to be ready for the future. And we're really worried that our kids are going to burn out or give up before we get there. Can you tell us what our kids need to be well right now? And so at that time, my son had the experience of many people who are part of the app parenting community. He had developed really intensive symptoms of OCD that accelerated basically overnight. It ended up with a PANDAS diagnosis. And for folks who aren't aware of that, you know, OCD symptoms really brought on by untreated strep throat. And I was asking the same question. I didn't know what was wrong with my kid. Even as a trained social worker, I had never seen these kinds of behaviors crop up so quickly. And as a mom, I also wanted to know what did my kids need to be ready and well. And so I would say that my journey as a mom of a child who has PANDAS and struggles with OCD and anxiety has completely overlapped with the writing of Whole Child, Whole Life. And then I really started writing the book that I needed to read and that I wasn't finding, which is what are the the set of practices that we as parents or anybody taking care of kids need to prioritize 
to make sure that we can protect them when hard things happen, prevent what we can, but also ensure that they can have moments where they really are loving their life. And so I went out and grabbed everything I could find from the science of learning and development and from mental health and social work, and even looking at things like the science of longevity and flourishing to see even when times are really tough, even when circumstances are super challenging, what are the characteristics or conditions that we can set up in our houses and communities and schools that allow our kids to live a life that they love? I love that. And I think we often focus on this podcast about the things that are going wrong and how, you know, the clinical skills, how to build exposures, how to do all this. And, and it's a great topic to talk about how to get our kids to flourish, that they're, they're more than their anxiety or CD and that we want them to enjoy life and we want them to be resilient. And so what are some ways that we can help our kids tap into that? Cause there are a lot of kids where they feel hopeless, you know, they're bogged down with anxiety and OCD and they don't have that, that drive. It makes me think of in the last couple of months, I was helping a a family who the son had just crippling school anxiety, school phobia, couldn't go to school. And in that struggle, which was completely all consuming, life stopping, he still knew that when he grew up, he wanted to become a clinical psychologist to be able to help kids like him. And I think one of the most powerful things that we can do for our kids, even as they're struggling with anxiety and OCD and tics and related issues, is figure out how to bridge from the future to what they can be doing in the present to share their story and experience and connect with other people like them in order to find community, but also a sense of purpose. You know, when I think about my older son, Justice, and Justice is comfortable with me sharing about his OCD journey. So he's 12, he's in sixth grade. And those beginning days, man, they were dark. It was a rough time. And the idea of sharing that experience was like so far beyond what we could have imagined. And even as his mom, I think, if you had come to me in that moment and said like, oh, would your son like to share about his experience with OCD? I would have said, absolutely not. We are just trying to keep him alive, like period. And also life is long. And I think the good news for our kids is that particularly with some of the tips and tricks you offer on the podcast and through your community, that our kids can get better and they can have periods of time where they feel really strong. I think justice now, two years later, is in a moment where he sees the power of his experience, what he endured and got through, and wants to be able to share that with other kids in his school and even tell his story in different opportunities. So one thing that we can be doing with our kids at home is helping them to form and own their stories because it's theirs. Their lived experience has this power to be able to help them and also help other kids who are like them. And there's something very satisfying. I mean, any of us who've had the experience of going through something hard and awful 
getting through it and then sharing with somebody who's going through a similar struggle, know that there's something really healing about that experience and really life-giving about that experience. Yeah. I think sometimes we can be a part of crafting that narrative that our kids have based on how we frame it, how we communicate with them. Because I think sometimes kids don't naturally have, I'm thinking about my son in particular, you know, where his story as he like blows off steam or whatever, I can hear the narrative in what he's saying, you know, like I was such an aggressive little kid or I, you know, I have so many issues or, and it's, or I'm a, I make bad choices. And you're like, you're hearing the stories and it's how to sometimes I think subtly reframe those stories for our kids so that they can feel that the story that they're going to take with them to adulthood can, can be a positive one or can have a positive spin on it. Yeah, it's interesting. There's actually some really great research about this. You know, like we are, we're a storied people. You look back as far in history as you can go and every culture has built itself on stories. And we tell our own narrative. And for many of us, as we get older, we realize our stories about our own childhoods and lives change the more that we learn. And so there is a role as parents for us to key into what is the story my child is telling about himself and who he is and what he believes to be true. And how can I help, as you said, with a reframing of finding something, anything that can be powerful and positive and purposeful in that experience. And I think our job as caregivers is to bring those moments back up when we see something happen. So for example, I remember Justice coming home one day and sharing about a classmate who he thought maybe was also struggling with OCD. And we were able to have a conversation about, we call his therapist, Coach Mike, about what he and Coach Mike had talked about in those early dark days. And was there anything he could remember about how he was feeling then that he wasn't feeling now that he might be able to share with his friend? And so there's that, that part of parenting where we're helping to do the sense making with them. And then again, it's that opportunity to serve. Okay. So now what did you learn from your own experience of that deep darkness or that confusing time that you can share with others? And at the same time, as, as the parent, I'm now creating a sense of separation that you weren't that deep, dark time, that you're actually this human that's going through these different experiences that emerged and learned from it. If that makes sense. Yeah. I think it's a two-parter. I almost feel like it's, we have to do it on two steps. It's like the first part is how they view themselves, which I feel like I'm still at with my son. And then the second part is, and it will look different for each person as far as what service looks like. How do you make meaning out of that? And that might be, how do I help other people? It might mean, how do I help myself? Or how do I wrap this into my story? You know, when my husband passed away, I, in it, I didn't do this intentionally because I was in a fog, but I was able to kind of tell my kids they saw, well, they were, they got a front row seat to seeing a whole bunch of kids with grief. You know, we're doing a lot of grief groups and they were seeing a lot of people struggle and really not be able to function. And, and my daughter wanted to stay in the grief group for a year, which was like a little bit too long for me. And so we were able to talk about how they're able to handle this 
that we would never want them to handle this, but because they they deal with hard things every day and what might be a normal or typical thing for another kid to do, they have to really, you know, pull in their strength and really handle difficult feelings and different emotions that they have fine-tuned that ability. Not that I would want them to have to deal with it, but we talked about how the bumps of life, life will bring a lot of bumps and you've been navigating bumps. And so even, even that understanding of, and I, I saw my kids own that because down the road, especially my daughter, she'll say, well, I can handle really hard things because I mean, I practice every day, you know? And so I think it's turning their struggle into a source of pride, not that they can choose their struggles, but this pride of I'm handling it and I am building muscles to handle these difficult things. I love those examples so much because they light up all of the ways in which our kids can take the realities of their struggle and the strain of the work that they do and turn it into something that not only helps other people, but does help themselves. And it might be in the OCD community, but it doesn't have to be at all. You know, there is incredible research I talked about in Whole Child, Whole Life around this idea of meaning might making actually being a basic need for our kids that they feeling like there is a reason why this is happening and I'm going to make it through. And there's something, you know, there's something bigger that's going on that maybe I get to be a part of provides hope, provides optimism, keeps kids going in tough times thinking about the stories of your son and daughter, like I can very much see how that is true for justice as well. And even for his younger brother of, we know how to handle negative talk as he starts to go through puberty and enters the teen years and confronts things that aren't always about OCD and anxiety, but man, we've got the tips and tricks down. Like we know what to pull up and try when his friends have a hard time or with mental health issues going up all over the place. Anyhow, he has the experience of being in that dark place that he can support friends through, that he can support his siblings through. The experience of going to a therapist or going to a doctor and having kind of complicated diagnoses, all of those pieces are a part of his experience. And My job, one of my jobs, and I hear you doing this with your kids as well, is the meaning making and the sense making and also giving them the power of which parts of their story they're going to share, how they want to share to be helpful, how private or public that should be, and then understanding what the benefits of that might be as well. When we see young people survive, any number of things survive cancer, survive OCD, survive grief, loss. And they get together with other young people who've had similar experiences. That can also be a very healing and therapeutic thing. It buoys them. It brings a level of belonging and understanding that they wouldn't have otherwise. So one of the opportunities here is as we help our kids figure out the purpose and power and positivity that comes with the struggle of OCD and anxiety in childhood, there's also the question of who can you connect with that you wouldn't have been able to otherwise? And how do you get to enjoy 
that level of not only contribution, but connection and community with others too. Yeah. And I see that. And I don't know if Justice has ever been on our Zoom support group calls, but because I don't know if he has, but I have seen that in the support group calls. Like there are kids that are struggling and I'll know that they're struggling because I'll know sometimes I'll connect the parent and the things that I'm hearing in the forums, you know, and so I'll be like, oh, that's so-and-so's child in my head. And so I'll know how much they're struggling because I've had the parent perspective and they're helping other kids and they're giving advice. And there are some kids in our support group calls that are like purely the advice givers, you know, and you can tell that they get off the call and they're feeling really empowered because they just helped a whole bunch of other kids. And I know they're struggling as well. And it's almost therapeutic that here are other kids that are struggling and I can, I can be a source of support for them, which not every kid is in that space to be able to do that. But it's just one example of how it can be therapeutic to be able to help other people. Absolutely. I think the only time when we see this particular area, I often think about this as helping kids become forces for good is the language I use in the book, where it can have the opposite effect is when we don't protect their privacy or give them that true agency and autonomy to decide what they want to share and when, and they end up feeling exposed and not protected. Right. So you go back to the support group. If somebody was not in the context of a safe environment and we as the parents said, oh, so-and-so has OCD, you, you need to go share your story or, oh, so-and-so is struggling. Oh, justice struggle. You know, justice, can you say um, that can have the opposite impact when it is something that feels right, that they are kind of terminally unique where they're not holding the power. This is all about kind of taking their worries and the work they've been doing and transforming it into positive action. But that does have to be owned by them. And that has to be protected and safeguarded by us. I'll tell you though, when I was thinking about your story of your son, I do have this theory. So when I was little, I don't know, did you do any sports when you were growing up? No, none at all. <laughs> okay. So I was a swimmer when I was little and I, we didn't have a lot of money, but my, I was in a very competitive swim team. And I often think about justice and his therapy for OCD and anxiety as similar to my swimming training. So just stick with me here for a second, but I think it's a really interesting way to think about life. So one of the reasons why I wrote Whole Child, Whole Life as I mentioned, was because so many adults are worried about their kids in general, right? Kids who didn't have mental health struggles before are now having incredible mental health challenges. And so when I was learning to be a swimmer at six, seven, eight, nine years old, I had all of these techniques that were being taught to me early and I was practicing them every single day. And now as an adult, when people see me swim, I have not swum competitively in decades and I am routinely stopped and people will say, oh, are you a competitive swimmer? And I'll say, no. And they say, oh, I can just tell, like you really know, right? Like the techniques. And so I will often tell justice that therapy or coaching as we call it is very much like training to be 
an athlete that he's learning techniques here in the early years that feel very difficult and sometimes clunky, but with practice become so natural. And so even the way that he ends up living his life and handling situations, he doesn't even have to proactively go out and force himself to be a role model or whatever. It's actually just the way that he's handling everyday situations that can also provide an incredible light because what now feels a little bit natural wasn't always. It was actually specific techniques that he was working on. And in the same way you would become a better athlete, he's becoming better at handling just the ups and downs and hard things of life. It's time we put help directly in our kids' hands. Introducing Crushing OCD Course for Kids and Teens. It was way more helpful than all the other therapy we've ever done because we didn't really know what to do. So we weren't really doing it before. So the course helped to figure out what the exposures are and how to do them. We're not in therapy and find it really hard um, to find an ERP trained therapist here. Um, So we're currently with like the public health service, but again, they don't seem to be trained in ERP. It's filled that gap that we don't have that was desperately needed. This was really well timed for us to use between therapists and to help us like start, get off to a good start with this new practice. It was easy to use. Um, I was able to do it from my phone or also on the computer. There's different ages, you know, so there were younger kids, there were teenagers. And um, so that was really nice too, to have a variety of ages where it wasn't just geared towards younger kids or older kids. It was a nice variety. It's helpful for our kids to hear it from this like third party as opposed to just us saying it. I really like the offense and defense method. I love working on poking at OCD while it's sleeping. It makes it a little bit easier to do and it's kind of fun. (laughs) I'm planning on using it to work on my uh, fear of like holding or touching batteries and stuff like that. So it was really helpful and I think a lot of other kids would like it. I thought that I was like the only one who had worrying about the weather and stuff. And then there was somebody else on there who worried about the same thing, which was really helpful. Seems less scary to work on stuff now that I've watched this class and I'm more interested to work on it. I like trying to do more exposures still and going to, before I wasn't, I just didn't want to do them. I've worked on some of my bigger compulsions and been successful. I realized it was helpful to do like the exposures before it was like really, really hard. It's still hard, but it's helpful to know that I need to do them. Before there would be a lot of battles about it. So it is definitely less loggerheads. Really, really good course and super helpful. Definitely would recommend this. It's really easy to follow. It's nice bite-sized videos. I really like the worksheets that go along with it, and I think it's really helpful. To learn more about this course and register your child or teen, go to atparentingsurvivalschool.com. Yeah, and I think it's an optimistic thing for parents to hear because often we get stuck in their struggles and how they're not able to handle things. And I had said something to my kids that was similar. We we, We travel a lot now, and... A lot of times there's jet lag or it's too hot or like, you know, other people are struggling and um, or we're traveling with someone who's struggling. And we'll say like, you're able to handle, you know, these turns and these bumps. It's too hot or, you know, and like we'll be traveling like on a tour with like older people and, you know, younger people. And 
people can't handle some of the stuff that we're having to deal with. And they're like, they just, they go with it. And we talk about that. They, they've gone to the anxiety and OCD gym. They've built their muscles. They know how to, that really in a more general way, it's learning how to handle discomfort, learning how to handle things that you can't control, learning how to handle fears. And that's not just an anxiety or OCD thing. Like that's a life thing. And it's a life tool, which is, I think it's helpful for one, them see that they can prosper, you know, that, that actually no one would wish anxiety or OCD on anyone, but it's not a death sentence and that they can actually prosper even more because of it. And then the second part that I feel like we keep touching on is then what do you do about that? And some kids are going to want to be a mouthpiece to be an advocate. You see a lot of the young Instagram anxiety and OCD advocates that are like in their 20s, it's young to me, they're in like their 20s. They all have their own stories. And, you know, some have their Etsy store, some have their podcasts or their YouTube channels. Like they're, it feels good to give back. Notes Alone is another one that I think about. They're young as well. And that is something actually that people can do is like, even if, you know, they want to just stay at home and write notes and they distribute those to people who have OCD anonymously or into treatment centers. But then I think on the other hand, there's kids that just giving kids, and I'm sure you can speak more about this than I can just from your background, but giving kids purpose, it doesn't have to be about anxiety or OCD. And so we've started to volunteer a lot. It has nothing to do with anxiety or OCD. We're volunteering for um, homeless kids. And my daughter in particular has just lit up because of it. Like she loves doing it. And then my son got involved and we're doing like snack bags for like homeless kids. And they like the people to like draw on them. And so I think giving kids purpose, even my daughter wanted a plant. She's 11 and she wanted a plant. Her, her room is kind of dark, but like her caring for something else, whether it's a pet or a plant or something is very cathartic because she even said to me yesterday, she goes, mom, I wake up every day and I make sure my blinds are open so that my plant can have light. And I make sure that I'm going to water it every single day. And it's not about responsibility. It's more about pride of taking care of some, something else. You know, we're taking care of her and she gets to take care of something else. Yeah. So the end of whole child, whole life, I talk about the research around resiliency and flourishing and thriving and how do you know when your kid is experiencing that? And so one of the factors is something I think every caregiver who's connected to your community likely does really well. Otherwise, they wouldn't find their way to you, which is offering a level of rootedness and connection, right? Like, are, do kids find a safe space at home? Another part is healthy and healing. So that's our OCD journey, anxiety journey. Are you on the road to healing? But living with joy and purpose is another factor weighted equally to health. And so that idea of I'm a part of something bigger, that I'm able to find enjoyment in my life is really key. And what was really, I think, kind of cool, I spoke to a researcher out of Stanford about the difference between purpose and passion. And she said, you know, some kids will have a passion. So maybe your daughter ends up deciding she wants to be a horticulturist and she becomes extremely passionate about plants specifically. And she said, but, you know, typically kids end up being more on kind of this purpose spectrum where it's what do they do that contributes 
to their just feeling good in life. And for some kids, it's purpose is giving back to their family or being a good brother or being a good son. For some, it's athletics, right? It kind of spans. For some, it's sports. For others, it's kind of a diverse set of things. But it's very protective for our kids. And I know personally that when you're in the middle of an OCD flare and when things are hard, it's hard to see out for what else is there and present. But by engaging kids in the discovery process of what can give them joy and what can bring them purpose, it actually does protect them from some of the symptoms and struggles that come with OCD and anxiety and depression and the other things that we see. It has an offsetting or or balancing experience, which is important. I think sometimes I'll speak for myself. We get so focused on the surviving part. And I used to think before I wrote the book that you have to take care of the surviving before you can get to thriving. And what I now know to be true, anyone who's seeing this on video will see my hand is that on a daily basis, kids are going up and down, surviving to thriving, surviving to thriving. And that our job as parents is to create experiences and environments where they have permission to just be a kid and have that joy and have that purpose and feel that contribution or connection because the struggles, it's going to be there for them too. And that we just want to try to expand as many moments as they can get where the conditions are right for, for thriving to occur. Yeah. And there's always going to be struggles. I talk to my kids about that all the time. Like whether it's anxiety or OCD or not being able to pay your bills or getting fired from a job, there's always struggles, you know, and it's, it's how you dance with those struggles and how you celebrate life. And I do believe, and I think it is, can be, it can be hard for parents when you're knee deep in anxiety and OCD and your child's really being debilitated to see the thriving part. And it is like, I think some parents do approach it linearly. Like once, once we get through this and we survive it, then we can thrive. And I feel like, I mean, I know for us with grief, it's, it wasn't like once we get over grief, we can function. It's like, how can we, you know, honor your dad and celebrate and grieve and get knocked over once in a while and still have a thriving life at times, still laugh, still travel, still, you know, and that's been a juggle just trying to find that balance. But I think that's the balance that we're all trying to find in life and such a gift to give to our kids is the small appreciations. And it might be kind of going back on what you said, because I think I can see maybe some overzealous parents being like, okay, well, we're going to volunteer and we're going to like, you know, maybe they can do this or that. And we can't craft that for them. It's kind of meeting them where they're at. Like with my son, he didn't want to be in the grief group. He doesn't go to the Zoom support group calls. My daughter loves the OCD support group calls. Again, it was another positioning for her because I always say, oh, that's my daughter. There's a little pride there. And then she always likes to help other people. There's a lot of praise afterwards. Like, hey, you were really helpful on that call. And so it empowers her. But with my son, you know, he loves VR 24 seven. You know, he's the 13 year old boy. But I noticed that he always wants to help people. He's always like telling them, oh, it's someone new. And he's always trying to, let me show you how to do this. And that's where he's at. I can't make him somewhere else, but I can highlight, I like how you're so helpful with someone who's new or, 
you know, he's in a leader position, but not at school. You know, he's bullied and he's got social anxiety, but in this one little arena, he feels like he can be a role model. So it's tapping into where where they are, not really where we want them to be. Yeah, you asked earlier if my son had participated in any of the groups and I wish he had, but he hasn't because that's not his thing. Now, what you and I were talking about before we started is he's not participating in support groups, but he wrote the preface to the book to Whole Child, Whole Life. And he talks about his OCD and anxiety journey in his own words and what that meant. And so he kind of comes through in these really surprising ways with his own drive to share his story. And then again, my job is to protect it, to really ask the questions about how private or public he wants it to be, um, and to help him shape that piece. One of the things that we started doing for, for parents and caregivers who might be looking for like something very, very practical. So my boys are 10 and 12. And we've talked a lot about my 12-year-old, although my 10-year-old has his own things that he works on too. And we're just kind of an anxious, an anxious family. We've got the full spectrum over here. And we started keeping these monthly trackers in a journal. So if anybody bullet journals who's on the call, this is related to kind of bullet journaling. And so Justice had his own tracker in my notebook. And whenever there were struggles or different things he was working on, we would track it, track it. But also when he would do something that he felt like really was a win, whether it was an exposure or it was giving back in some way or seeing something good that had come from the experience, we would track that too. And at first it was just getting into the the habit of tracking, but now we can go back to, okay, what was happening this time last year? And now where are we this year? And that comparison of months or years and seeing things that look like they were only struggles back then and the ways in which we can now see the strength in there and the story in there has also been healing and has also been a part of how to equip him for a long road. Because I think the other part of what you and I are talking about and this idea of whole child, whole life is God willing, our kids are going to have long lives ahead of them. And so this is a part of figuring out how do we situate them in a way where they can find what they're good at and what brings them purpose, what brings them joy, the gift and strength that comes from their stories and experiences. And do they know how to reflect on it, how to use it, how to draw strength from it as they get older as well and in the future as well? Yeah, I think that's beautiful. I think it's a great goal for us all to have and a, a good positive perspective. So where can people find Whole Child, Whole Life? Is it out already? So Whole Child, Whole Life comes out May 30th is the official publication date, although printing is going faster than predicted. So if folks pre-order today, they can just go to wholechildwholelife.com backslash pre-order and then choose whatever their favorite shopping site is, they might get it early in the first couple of weeks of May. Well, that is awesome. And I will leave links in the show notes that people can click on it and check it out. Thanks so much for coming on. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. So I hope that you found that helpful. Definitely check out her website, wholechildwholelife.com so that you can check out the book and check out her resources. 
I hope that you found that helpful. I hope that you find the podcast helpful in general. And if you do, don't forget to hit a star and rank the show. You know, that's always appreciated. You have a few extra minutes. Don't forget to write a review. Uh, I do appreciate that as well. And to show my gratitude, I always try to read one of them if there's a new one that I can find. And so I want to thank Maluhulia. I might be pronouncing that completely wrong. Maluhia777. <laughs> I don't like usernames. I wish they just had regular names because then I wouldn't mispronounce things. But that's a me problem, not a you problem. Uh, they wrote an angel, which I appreciate. I didn't know where to turn for advice parenting my anxious child and my OCD child. It seemed like everything I did was wrong and making their behaviors worse. This podcast has been a map out of despair and has given me a sense of hope. Thank you. And I really appreciate that. First of all, thank you for taking the time to write that. And secondly, I do, I just appreciate it when I hear that kind of loss and you don't know what to do and that my podcast has been helpful in, in, in guiding you. Cause that's really been my hope about this show is that it's just, it fills the gap and it gives hope and it gives guidance and people don't have to be floundering as much because there is just this free resource out there that you can listen to and tap into and, and at least have some idea of where to start. So speaking of where to start, for those of you that haven't taken my series before, or you want to take it again, definitely check out Survival Tools for Parents Raising Kids with Anxiety or OCD. It has started, but it is kind of like an on-demand. The videos are always the same. The only thing that's different every time I do this series is that I create a temporary Facebook group and all the members of the series join it. And then we have bonus live classes. And that discussion always looks a little bit different because it's different people each time. And I do have people, even in the AT Parenting community, who take take my free course every single time I offer it. It's twice a year for this one and twice a year for my self-care series because it can be serve as a reminder or it can just be an uplifting thing to do. And so in this particular series, this is actually my more popular of the two that I run because this is a complete roadmap of where to start, regardless of whether you've been on this journey for a very long time and you feel like I am drowning and I don't know why, or you're brand new to it, or you don't even know if this is your journey. It's really appropriate for everybody because I help you understand where you need to head, regardless of where you've been or where you're at right now. So check that out at atparentingsurvivalseries.com. I hope you find the sparkle in everything you do, and I'll talk to you again next Tuesday. Take care. Thank you for listening to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. To get additional support raising a child with anxiety or OCD, visit Natasha's online school of on-demand classes at atparentingsurvivalschool.com. 